0: Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan
1: Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula 1 Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace see what our 5g advanced network solutions can do for your business at t-mobile.com slash now view 5g device coverage and access details at t-mobile.com infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
0: Over the course of a 35-year career, Damon Auburn has reached international fame with two very different groups. In 1988, Damon created the rock band Blur with four friends in his native London. Blur started out as what Damon calls a classic art school band, but they quickly morphed into one of the seminal groups of the 90s Britpop explosion, along with their former rivals Oasis. After a series of successful albums with Blur, Damon started Gorillaz in 1998 with cartoonist Jamie Hewlett. Dubbed as the world's first virtual group, the Gorillaz' rotating lineup includes collaborations with De La Soul, Stevie Nicks, Bobby Womack, and Lou Reed. The band's influences are as diverse as electronic music, hip-hop, and world music, and over the last 25 years, Gorillaz has been wildly successful, selling over 30 million albums worldwide. Despite having found such success, Damon's never stopped exploring his artistic potential. He's written an opera, released solo and side projects, and recently he reunited with Blur to release the band's latest album called The Ballad of Darren. On today's episode, Leah Rose talks to Damon Albarn about what it's like for Blur to headline music festivals in 2023. Damon also reveals how gorillas are about to undergo a major paradigm shift. And he explains how, according to family lore, John Lennon and Yoko Ono first met at his dad's art gallery in London. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Leah Rose with Damon Albarn.
2: Let's talk blur. Okay. So it looks like you've been on a, uh, you all have been doing a little run of shows in Europe. How has it been being back on stage with everybody?
3: Oh, it's great. Yeah, we did three, four small gigs in in England, and then we went over to Spain and did the Primavera gigs. First one was Barcelona. I mean, the the only problem, problematic thing is that you, if you're headlining, you go on at 2 a.m. God, which which at our age is almost unthinkable, but we can just about do it. Yeah. And then the next date was in Madrid and it was the first time they were ever doing it and uh, the weather was so bad that they had to cancel our concert at 2 a.m. So we managed to find a a smallish club called La Riviera, about 2,000 people and uh, 2,000 of the 40,000 managed to see us. So it it was quite a magical evening really considering what a tumultuous afternoon it had been, you know.
2: What was the energy like in the club?
3: Yeah, it was fantastic. I threw myself around with Wild Abandon.
2: Very nice. How has it been for the other guys in the band? Because I know you've been consistently touring for the most part since the last Blur album. Has it been thought, hard for them, them to you, sort of... I thought
3: you were going to say you've been consistently tearing it up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you've been thrashing, yeah. tearing the club up. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: well, I mean, everyone's been doing stuff their own thing. Graham's done a lot of Mm -hmm. concerts, but not maybe of that size. Mm -hmm. Alex has his own festival, so he even he knows everything about about what a festival is, you know, the complete DNA of a festival. And Dave's been doing everything humanly possible and also got his own little band out as well. So everyone's been super busy. That's great. Yeah, well it's necessary, isn't it? Otherwise it just feels like I don't know, this the, the, this is supposed to be old friends sort of finding each other latterly and uh trying to express that in a sort of, you know, vibrant and honest way.
2: Have you learned anything new about the old friends in the process of recording the new album?
3: <sighs> well, they're a lot more grown up, all of them, a lot more maybe resilient than maybe they were... 20 years ago, emotionally and physically. Yeah, I think there's a huge amount of necessary growing up that's gone on for all of us.
2: Are the band dynamics, do they feel exactly the same as they used to, you know, way back when? Or have things sort of changed, just like on a more like interpersonal level?
3: Things have changed a bit, but uh, essentially it's through exactly the same dynamic.
2: That's so cool. It's so nice to have that.
3: Yeah, it's re- it is really nice. It is really nice and it, but, but but I suppose uh the fact that we haven't kind of chased it much <laughs> in the last 20 years means that you know there's there's still that possibility for something to surprise us, you know. And I mean this whole thing initially started off with a conversation about okay, it's probably time we sang those songs again with no real Destination, and then, when I was in the states in the autumn, I mean I always take a studio on, on tour anyway, and I just thought well i 'm just going to write songs it's kind of interesting being here hmm. in all these mad cities and everything that that you know that you carry on the road with you and the experiences you have and I thought maybe that's quite a nice sometimes it's quite a nice place to write about something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just wrote lots of songs. I didn't tell anyone. Then in the new year, I said to all of them, I said, just can I invite you down to the studio? I'd just like to play some stuff, see what you think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, look, I think I've written an album. There's 20 songs. You choose the ones you want to record. And that's really, it was as simple as that. They were like into it. And it felt, I suppose, at that moment, I was kind of, you know, I was still kind of a bit nervous about letting all that material go without knowing where it was going to go. But mm-hmm. uh, it went, it went pretty much exactly where I, where I hoped it would. And uh, yeah, I didn't take us more than six weeks to do the whole thing. It's amazing. And and, and but the most amazing thing about that was that. That seemed to sort of inform the, the the momentum of everything, and the fact that we already had this sort of totemic Wembley gig, it sort of everyone was like, oh well, we, well we should get the record out in time for that as well, or okay. at least least proximity to it. So something a process that, that 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 latterly, to be honest, has just become so sort of slow for me. You know, like having to wait a year sometimes to put a record out she's just so that's happened a few times so this was literally we we finished it and then it was like oh shit we need to rehearse for these concerts mm-hmm. and now we're here and I and, and we we're putting another single out next week and then an album and that's it's just nice to know that, that nothing existed in January apart from the songs i suppose
2: so the gig existed first and then the album yeah. came yes so it's sort of like a, a beatles get back let it be situation
3: it's exactly like that and it's just i'm watching good get it. back right now <laughs> no, no, no. i mean this is inevitable isn't it sort of for some reason because we come from this island yeah we're always going but but i mean this is the annoying thing about the beatles is that they kind of sort of they created every kind of sort of trope
4: that you right.
3: pop music really you know not invented but they seem to embody so many and you know, the the idea of mass hysteria, although it happened previously with Elvis, I don't think it ever happened for a band, the idea of the independence that a band, when it's a good one, kind of offers its its audience. You know, they know that these, these individuals have come up together and that they share very similar kind of sort of beliefs, you know, and mm-hmm. passions and that, like, you know, they've known each other since they were kids, so it's just... It's so important, really, that bands exist. And I suppose, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's a bit more excitement about guitar music again at the moment. Yeah. And uh, that can't be a bad thing because it got so sterile. I mean, you know, for me, really, the the last great guitar band would have been the Arctic Monkeys. I don't really know if there's anything as good as that since. I mean, but but now there's bands who look have got a huge amount of potential, and it's really it's kind of dismantled itself, guitar music, and it's kind of putting itself back together again in a different form, you know. Mm-hmm. And you've got you've got some fantastic new kind of sort of mutations of 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 the the genus of it.
2: Yeah, what are some that you're thinking of when you say there's new there's some new bands out there that are bringing back guitar music?
3: Well, I really I really like uh, I really like a band like Wooloo. They seem to be really cool. There's one that I picked up on somewhere in the American countryside, but I like. But I can't remember
4: his name. <laughs>
3: That's narrowing it down, isn't it?
4: Um, American
2: countryside, okay.
3: Yeah, an American countryside. The great, the great American countryside. Yeah. It's a collective of. I don't know. It's sort of. Just felt like exactly what a young band should sound like. Lots, of, there were lots of them, and you got bands like Yard Act, who are here, who seem to be getting better and better. And obviously, like not that they're new, but I still see them as kind of emerging bands, like Sleaford Mods. You know, brilliant. So, it's like, and, and lots of great language being used again. You know, not this sort of generic rock shit. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. I like, I like poets and guitars. You know, it's like. That's what always inspired inspired me.
2: I was curious about your relationship to the Beatles because you came up, you were sort of the generation after the Beatles. And we've had a lot of artists on this show who talk about, you know, someone like Ozzy Osbourne. When he heard the Beatles, it was like it went from black and white to color so you being and then, sort and then of the back gener- to, and,
3: and then back to black <laughs> permanently <laughs> he
2: brought it back to black but yeah
3: i'm not sure where the color comes in really with Ozzy osborne but i mean yeah you know
2: so they still put out albums while you were alive young but you were yeah. alive uh, well but, yeah, um, yeah,
3: yeah 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 growing
2: yeah. up when when you were finding your own music what role did the beatles play with you and your friends like were you guys into the beatles
3: well, the first thing I knew about the Beatles really was that my parents lived in the same mansion block in Emperor's Gate back in the very early 60s as them. Wow. And uh, then what's my next connection? My, the other thing within my family kind of sort of folklore is that my dad had a gallery in just off Carnaby Street and he put on the exhibition where uh, Yoko Ono had the ladder and... John Lennon climbed up a ladder to to read the word, yes or whatever it was. So kind of he kind of got them together. That was their first meeting. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's not.
2: I've been dying not, to know how those two met. Watching Get Back.
3: Yeah, they met in in in. He came to see her art show at my dad's gallery.
2: Was she like a, a popular artist at the time?
3: I mean, underground, yeah, but very cool. Cool. Yeah. So 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 that was how I kind of knew more about that, and I also I used to love Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds uh, because I I got given it, but I didn't know that it was a Beatles song. I thought it was Elton John song. No, <laughs> but then and then I did, and then obviously I did discover the Beatles, and like you know, then then it becomes an obsession until you've kind of yeah. you've listened to everything and kind of assimilated the whole thing. But but then you know like other amazing. Things came into my life, you know. But I mean, it was one yeah. of the very early influences, obviously.
2: Very cool. I've seen your um, your house described your, the house you grew up in described as bohemian, and I know what that means in America, but what does that mean in London?
3: I, I did till I was nine. I lived in London when I moved to the, to the Essex countryside. Bohemian, I suppose, in the sense that my dad's my dad was like very into uh, latterly into art education my mum's always been an artist painter and creates installations and everything really just everything is and yeah I've got lots just lots of artists in my family it's just pretty normal
2: yeah so it wasn't I mean I don't know I guess I picture sort of just like people sitting around on pillows and smoking hookahs and yeah things that like.
3: sort of thing I mean it was a bit like that in the late 60s yeah, my dad, amongst many things he did, he created happenings and uh, uh, psychedelic buildings in weird places. In fact, once he kind of worked with the soft machine and they did a concert in the south of France and uh, he thought it would be a really good idea to go out the night before because it was on on, on on a beach. He went out into the bay and he doused the whole bay in, in uh, petrol and then... <laughs> When they came on that evening, he lit it. So they had this amazing, kind of very dangerous. And no one would ever let you do that now. But that hey, it was the sixties. I mean, but I, but you know, I just heard all of this uh, through, you know, just the 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 thing that all families have, which are like these stories, you know, yeah. that you want to hear again and again and again.
2: Totally, the family yeah. lore.
3: Yeah, exactly, the family lore. Exactly.
2: I don't know if you went through like an early experimentation drug phase when you're in teenager or whatever but were they cool with that like could you talk to them about
3: oh yeah my parents were always very good with all my uh yeah my dalliances you know they didn't necessarily think I was being very responsible sometimes but yeah. I mean they, they 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 were never judgmental ever
2: yeah I read that your primary school burnt down like seven or eight times
3: yeah that's true.
2: Why? What is that about?
3: Well, it turned out that our form teacher was a complete psychopath. But the sad thing is that the, 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 school, caretaker, the school caretaker was blamed initially, and he had a heart attack because he was so distressed that, that anyone could think he'd do anything like that. And then, But it kept happening, and it really disrupted two years of my education, like, terribly. And then in the end, it turned out it was our teacher who'd been burning the school down, yeah.
2: Was it big fires or was it just like little...
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like classrooms and stuff. I mean, once wow. we, we'd done this whole project of raising all these hamsters and then he burnt the hamsters as well, which, you know, is, like, is not nice. That's
2: like serial killer stuff.
3: Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, sort of Essex in the 1980s was a fairly errant place, to be fair.
0: We're taking a quick break and then coming back with more from Leah Rose and Damon Albarn. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase, N.A. member, FDIC, 2024, JPMorgan Chase & Co.
4: Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobilecom slash now to learn more. We're back with more from
0: Damon Albarn and Leah Rose.
2: As a kid, like, what was? How did you find music? What was the first music that you felt was like really spoke to you?
3: Oh, I, I was more family law. I had a, a harmonica that was in my cot, which I used to play. I've always, I've always been interested in music. Yeah, I went mean, through quite conventional education, musical education, classical, and then I just sort of. With Graham, discovered other kinds of ways of playing music, you know. And here I am now.
2: What were you guys into, music-wise? Were you into punk, or were you like, what was the new wave? What was the? Yeah,
3: well, I mean, it, a lot of our early stuff is comes directly from Thursday Night on Top of the Pops. You know, it's a national obsession with the youth, really. Well, it felt like that where I lived that was my connection with everything you know top of the pops clothes music hairstyles
2: how much did you guys think about the way that you looked like the aesthetic look of blur when you first started was there a lot of thought put into the haircuts and the clothes
3: um uh, there was a lot of thought put into making it not look like there's a lot of thought put into it yeah <laughs> i mean it was just a classic art school band really yeah you know. Slightly foppish, slightly foppish, slightly disheveled, but kind of, you know, cool.
2: Yeah, but the hair was always good.
3: Yeah, we had good hair. We had good hair.
2: Like it looks disheveled, but yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, remarkably, we've still pretty much all got our hair, which is, uh, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, that's quite a thing. A A 55 is definitely not something to uh, take for granted, for sure. You
2: know, It's true. But yeah, I've always wondered that because you always look cool and it's like how much thought I'm just curious how still you look cool. You have cool outfits. You obviously make cool choices with what you wear.
3: Oh, I mean, I mean, you know, we 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 were in secondhand shops from day one. I mean, yeah. it's our it's one of our greatest joys, especially Graham and I. You know, we yeah. just love shopping for old clothes.
2: Yeah, but there you still you have to be good at it. Like someone yeah, like you Andre do. 3000 like always looks cool. Oh, yeah. You can walk into the same shop and
3: no, of course, but it's like, it's like everything, practice makes perfect, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like all those things that you tried on that really didn't work, but you put down. And I bought a lot of stuff that I was convinced was um, a major statement in fashion that I, when I got home, it was like. And these days, I have, I mean, my daughter, because she's uh, at London School of Fashion, very oh, serious, God. very, very serious about everything related to that. I mean, I can't get away with anything anymore. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like I have to really be at my top A game every day. Otherwise, she will call me out.
2: Yeah. So, does she like your style?
3: Well, I think. so. I mean, I, I'm her dad. You know what I mean? I can't.
2: Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I
3: mean, I'm never going to be have as much drip as other people, but <laughs> I'm. You know.
2: Yeah. Do you remember? I was reading about your first Blur's first tour in America, and mm. it sounds like it was. A bit of a disaster i don't know if that's accurate but do you remember first going on the road and playing shows in the states
3: oh uh, they weren't all a disaster but we did play quite a lot of kind of sort of m- midwest towns where no one had an idea who we were at all you know which is is yeah. part, part part of i mean looking back it's an incredibly important part of our development and i mean recently especially with gorillas, i spent so much time in america yeah I've done a lot of playing in America, so I feel I feel very comfortable and at home in America these days. Yeah. Ironically, I feel very at home in America these days. I've even got my LA hat on.
2: I know. I, yeah. It seems like you like that hat. I'm so
3: I, I know, it, right? I've literally, I can't get rid of the fucking hat. I love it.
2: Is it just the same hat every time? It's the
3: same hat. I've, tried, I've <laughs> bought so many hats since I got this hat, and nothing nothing kicks like this hat but it's totally the wrong hat for blur i shouldn't be wearing a hat like this i should be wearing i shouldn't be wearing a hat i mean i don't wear a hat on stage obviously but and all the clothes that i kind of sort of you know the whole look that i've got yeah but i've thought about everything it's just ruined when i put this hat on so i can't really wear the hat i shouldn't really be wearing the hat in this podcast but i just i can't help it but but you, but you're right. I literally, I mean, I haven't washed it either since I've had it, and it was about thirty years old when I bought it.
2: Really, I mean, this, cool. is the, this is
3: this is a truly loved hat.
2: Yeah, it's a cool hat. It's gotten broken in over the years. I've watched a lot of your videos. Yeah, and in the beginning, it was a little bit more stiff.
3: Yeah, okay. I saw you had so it what, at Coachella. What, what are you trying to say about my hat?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's like a nice pair of leather shoes.
3: It is. It, it, it is. But but. I mean, the only other kind of hats that I really feel comfortable in are be are like old fisherman's beanie hats, you know, like classic. Uh-huh, those are cool. Yeah, but I can't wear them in the summer. Too hot. Too hot. Every, nothing else. I've I've got. I found some nice old deer stalkers that I might be able to get away with, but it's been so hot, really. This is the only hat I can yeah. wear.
2: <laughs> it seems like I don't know if this is true, but was Gorillas the f- the first project where the music? really super resonated with Americans
3: uh well, no, song two was, but no one knew who made song two. It's just that ubiquitous woohoo song, yeah, there'd probably be people probably people who listen to this go no they didn't do that, did they, you know what I mean it's like <laughs> it's so sort of dis- detached from us, yeah, but uh yes yeah, that that's our biggest song by far, obviously,
2: yeah. After you make a song, too, do you want to incorporate a little woohoo or something similar in every?
3: You want to make you definitely want to make a song free, but it's quite it's harder yeah. it's harder than you think.
2: <laughs> it seems very difficult, but I don't know. I just feel like I would be tempted if you get something that really sticks.
3: Yeah, well, I've had a few, but not, you know, but then as Frank Sinatra said, I've had too few to mention. Yeah. <laughs> That's really poor. That's a really, 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 really poor joke. It's a poor joke. I apologise for that. Um, I, it always come, goes wrong when I try and be amusing.
2: Have you ever tried to analyse what works in America versus what works in the UK or in Europe? Is that something that you even think of when you're making music, or you just... No, I don't.
3: I don't think about. I don't think about it. I just, you know, you make and then you just wait.
2: Do you care, or are you just making to make?
3: Uh, I'm existing to make.
2: It must be so nice to have such a clear passion.
3: Yes, I mean it's it's uh, I mean it's a condition, isn't it? You know, I've got I have some these days. It yeah. would be it would be on a spectrum somewhere. You know, I, I, it's it's got a name, I'm sure. I just haven't chosen to go down that path to to be analysed.
2: Is it near? Constant? Is it something you can always rely on, or does it ever leave you, the ability to make new songs?
3: Oh, well, I, I, it's like yoga. I do try and do yoga every day, and I try to write every day. I get up, basically, in the morning, unless you can be disciplined enough to do it in the evening, which I can't.
2: Are you working on any new Gorillaz music?
3: I've done a few tunes. I'm doing an opera at the moment about using Goethe's fragment he, he wrote of the uh, magic flute part two which is fascinating very cool you've heard of the magic flute haven't you? Mozart's magic yep. Flute. well Goethe who's a contemporary of Mozart wrote part two of that like you know the sequel uh, but it never got put to music oh, okay so it's this, it's, this, it's, this, it's this legendary lost thing wow yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know Very cool. what I'm doing. I've never really known what I'm doing in that world at all. I'm a complete and utter idiot.
2: <laughs> but you were trained with in music theory and everything. Yeah, right? I
3: can. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I I can. I don't know whether it's any good, put it that way. I you know, whereas with songs, I'm kind of more confident about. That.
2: Yeah. Okay. So new gorillas, you're working on new gorillas.
3: Uh, a bit. Yeah. We're gonna do. We're gonna do something. It's gonna be a, a um, not. As, dramatic as a quantum ship a, uh, a a paradigm be a paradigm shift It'll just be very different
2: no cartoons
3: uh, yeah but v- v- just an entirely different approach to everything to the to the the band to everything we're just at a point where we're we're going to change
2: why? <laughs> why why does it feel like it's time why? For a paradigm because, shift? because it
3: was always just jamie and i so you know really yeah. uh, although it's a very big thing now it's yeah. It's still in essence is two people, so if we mm-hmm. decide between us that we want to do something unrecognizable, then we will
2: that's exciting
3: yeah I, I yeah, I mean you need that, don't you to yeah for it to keep to stay alive
2: really definitely, that's cool, so when about do you think that will start surfacing
3: well i I will keep writing, but I, uh, until I've kind of written the opera, I can't really do anything much else other than that. But, you know, you know, I might write it really quickly. Um, but it's got to be next autumn anyway, so before that, I'll, so I'll, I'll be working on gorillas.
0: We're going to pause for one last quick break and then come back with Leah Rose and Damon
1: Albarn. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity Presents...
0: Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase, NA member, FDIC, 2024, JPMorgan Chase &
4: Co. Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot. Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobilecom slash now to learn more. We're back with Leah Rose and Damon Albarn.
2: What's the significance of the, the album title?
3: Ballad of Darren. Well, Darren, Darren's a very, very old friend of everyone in the band. He's been kind of sort of there in various reincarnations since almost day one. And we have this group of very close friends who work with us and have always worked with us. And he's one of them. So therefore he represents all of us. So the Ballad of Darren is, is Darren is in this moment. The everyman, you know.
2: Did he go through something significant recently?
3: Well, I mean, we've all been through significant things, you know. I mean, obviously, as I wrote the songs, it's probably I've probably been through some significant things as well. But uh-huh. you know, I mean I am a I am a a certified sad fifty five year old.
2: I hear you. I feel sad too. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's fine. I'm, it happens. I mean, I'm not. I'm 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 not afraid of sadness. You know.
2: Yeah, but you're productive. You're a productive 55 year old.
3: I'm. I'm. I'm a pr- pr- very productive sado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's right. So this album, when I first started listening to it, it feels like it needs, like you know, like a pair of shoes. Sometimes you need a a break in period. Yeah. This album just there's no break in period. It immediately sounds good. Oh, good. I got in there really easy. I woke up yesterday singing The Narcissist. It was just, it was there. It's in my consciousness. Do you have any sort of tricks or little formulas that you've developed at this point for making something just go down easy?
3: Well, what's the song in My Fair Lady? A little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down.
2: Would the sugar come in the melody?
3: Um, I don't know. I mean... It's certainly not in the lyrics. The lyrics are rarely uplifting, but I suppose it's that juxtaposition with the music that creates, you know, it's the classic REM, it's the end of the world kind of thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Where you are singing, it's like um, Spike Milligan, you're probably not familiar with him. He's a brilliant comedian, writer, and on his gravestone he had inscribed, uh, he had inscribed, I told you I wasn't feeling well. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's that, that is in the joy and sadness of life. It's kind of, you know, that final victory that makes people laugh. And yet, I suppose in a way, that's kind of sort of the essence of melancholy. You know, it's that sort of Mm
2: -hmm.
3: realization that you are both living and living your best and dying your best life.
2: Hmm. Is there like an overall emotional framework to the album? Or how would you describe the vibe?
3: I think once they catch you, certain songs will play with your emotions quite heavily. You know, songs like The Everglades, I think, will smack people around the face at one point.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I mean, so it's got that, it's in there, but it doesn't, it's not going to scare anyone away. You know what I mean? I don't think. But I mean, I, I can't talk about my own work. I just, all I can do is make it and then sing it.
2: Do you ever have any trepidation about putting about writing vulnerable lyrics or exposing a, a part of your experience?
3: Yeah, I suppose I mean, I suppose in many ways this is my vulnerable, but I think vulnerability is by singing about it you're you're somehow kind of easing it. You know, you're, the vulnerability is diminished by your ability to express it.
2: Through writing songs, does it help you understand your emotions or is it just a way to talk about it and share emotions?
3: Yeah, but I, 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 I don't like make it all about myself strictly. It's right. kind of I use, I use where, I, where I'm at in my life and how I feel as a kind of tool to talk about other things sometimes, you know. It's that, you know, there's quite a lot of politics on the record as well. I mean, politics. Affiliated, not 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 partisan politics, but you know what I mean. It's like in Russian strings, mm-hmm. Say that there are there are strings attached to all of us. You know that we're all complicit, and therefore, you know, what are we doing?
2: How did the the narcissist come about? Do you? How did that song come to be?
3: Well, I think I think it's kind of sort of maybe is kind of came about from my belief that we're living in the most narcissistic age ever, of epoch of man's man, basically. I don't know if we can get any more narcissistic than he is now. Mm-hmm. Or she, it, they are now, or whatever we are. You know, collectively, we're 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 living through this.
2: Do you talk about that with your daughter since she's you know, at a young age where this just feels normal.
3: Yeah, she, she thinks, you know, like, understandably that... Uh, I mean, she's called me a boomer on a couple of occasions, which I'm sure is not a good thing.
2: Are you a boomer?
3: I don't think so.
2: Aren't you Gen X?
3: I really have no idea what I am. But boomer is surely before me. I can't be a boomer. No,
2: I? I don't think you're a boomer. I think you're Gen X. X.
3: I mean, no, but I think she's been doubly rude by calling me a boomer. <laughs> I think it's intentionally... I mean, I deserve it, so it's fine. Um, no, I, um, no I, I, just, I just think by the very nature of the way we go about our business and the way we communicate with each other and our ability to send pictures of ourselves and our ability to yeah. distort those pictures, to, to filter those pictures, to create narrative through those pictures of ourselves and our expressions, we, we, we are in love with the image of ourselves, which is in the essence of the original story of Narcissus. And we do live in an echo chamber, which is another key component of the original, not the echo chamber, but echo being the counterpoint to Narcissus that he couldn't hear, he couldn't see, he couldn't kind of externalize any empathy for anyone. He's just about himself and his image.
2: Do you feel that when you're playing in you know in different countries all over the world like if you're going over to Mali or you're playing somewhere in Africa do you feel that same force there or is that a total escape Uh, culturally
3: Well, I mean not as much as it used to be because the world's changed and everyone is everyone everywhere anyone who's got a phone is is in on it aren't they in one form or another so that reason I don't have a phone
2: you have an iPad right
3: I do have an iPad, but, you know, it's just not the same thing. You can't whip out the iPad. You know, it's quite, it's a sort of, it's an event, getting an iPad to take a photograph. It's not Be very like, boomerish. You, you, exactly. You can't do it with one hand. It's impossible. You have to have two hands. Yeah. And the whole point is this mediacy a boom, there you go. That was where I started. But really, the song is about a story of my own kind of, uh, you know, from being a kid in a, in my bedroom... Looking in the mirror and using an old strobe light that my dad uh, had given me, which he'd used in the UFO club uh, with Pink Floyd back in the early sixties.
2: What's the UFO club?
3: It was a it was a very famous club where 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 uh, Pink Floyd started. It's like a cool place in the early sixties where people played. And he had the strobe light, and he gave me this strobe light, so I had my synthesizer a mirror a strobe light and I switch off my bedroom light so I'd be in the dark just with the strobe flickering I'd put on whatever record I I wanted to transport myself to and you know so that was my kind of weird narcissism and then uh and then I'd just sort of trace the the journey really of 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 the band during that song
2: that's so cool so would you kind of just like watch yourself in the mirror and practice yeah dance moves and things like that yeah
3: but in strobe all the time i don't know if anyone would ever be allowed to have something quite so mind my i mean you know i really didn't need any any other drugs when i having a strobe like that i had it had a dial so you could go from very slow to very fast
2: very cool do you feel when you write songs that a lot of it is inspired from when you were a kid and when you were a teenager like does everything feel like it comes from that well
3: no, not really. I mean, it just comes, it comes from the uh, portable well I carry around with myself.
2: So there's still things today that are inspiring oh, yeah. I mean, new
3: music. It's not... Oh, 100%. This whole record is completely kind of informed by how I feel about what's happening now in my life, in everyone's lives.
2: Have you ever thought about if you didn't do this, what you would be interested in doing, what you feel like you'd be really good at?
3: I honestly don't think I'd be good at anything else. I mean, I do sometimes think it's like, how would I have been, how would I have fared in like a, an early Viking community? Yeah. Because uh, I went once to a a beach where they have five stones in uh, outside of Reykjavik, uh, in Iceland, and these stones have been there for a thousand years, and basically, depending on on which stone you could lift and take to the shoreline, you were allocated a job within the community. Wow. And I couldn't lift the the, the heaviest stone, which was the one reserved for people who travelled. So I wasn't going to be doing any travelling. People who rode, basically, you know, they had to... But I I, I was able to pick up the one before that, so I suppose I'd have been... That's good. I would have worked, worked the land, maybe, and hopefully, you know, been able to write and play music and sing...
2: When you sit down to play with somebody new, do you ever feel that you have to impress that person? Are you nervous? Like, what's the feeling in you?
3: Uh, I mean, you, you you want them to feel comfortable and have a sense that, you know, you're not completely incompetent, yeah. But I mean, really, it's about, it's about the shared sort of experience, isn't it? And, you know, we, I think all writers and s- singers in my world, the good ones, understand the sort of um, the aspect of, Connecting with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the main objective, really. If you can call on the spirit, then whatever you make will have some kind of value to it.
2: Is there any way to encourage the spirit?
3: <laughs> yeah, many ways. Many ways, really. Uh, I mean, sometimes people like to have a drink. Sometimes like people like to smoke weed. Sometimes people just like a cup of tea. But I think it's just about that been sensitive enough to each other that you can kind of pick up on whatever vibration Mm -hmm. is being made.
2: Yeah, speaking of people you've worked with, is there anybody who's just collaboration-wise you've started to play with where it's just an instant click?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, luckily, well, I mean, okay, someone like Bobby Womack, as soon as you sit down to a piano with Bobby Womack, he just has to sing one note and that's yeah. incredible.
2: I saw that um, some of your fans on Instagram were commenting and they, saying they wanted you to slow down and take care of yourself and get some rest.
3: Well, I've just had four days off, so there you go. <laughs> are, you, of...
2: do you, are you in constant perpetual motion?
3: Yes. You know what I say about Rolling Stones. But I'm happy at some point, I, I understand by the, the sheer law, law of physics and gravity. I will I will eventually stop and, you know, then I'll be more than happy to be completely disappear in the moss.
2: Is that what you want to do, disappear in the moss?
3: Well, I think it's, it sounds like quite a nice environment to sleep eternally.
2: It seems like the album is a bit of a maybe a comment on morality.
3: Yeah, I suppose that's there. It's kind of, there's a lot of yeah. questions posed. Within the record, yeah. I, I don't think it's judgmental. I really I'm really not in a position to judge anyone. As I say in St Charles Square, it's I fucked up. But I'm not the first to do it. So that's my kind of my one of my opening gambits really.
2: Do you pay attention to reviews about what critics are writing about the work?
3: Uh well if I was disingenuous I'd say no. <laughs> of course. Of course I do. I mean I'm always interested, but I mean there's a kind of sort of uh, there's like a slightly mad moment when the record is out there yeah and you sort of get some start to get some feedback where you know I mean I pick up on it a bit I'm not like obsessed by it and then it's and then, and then that's it it's finished just it? yeah. I don't care anymore you know sort of it usually lasts a few days, but it's definitely a madness
2: Does it bring you down or
3: what when um, people don't like it? I suppose if everyone didn't like something that I put a lot of work into, it might be a bit sort of, I might, I might kind of be, feel a bit low. Yeah. But, I mean, it's never like that, really.
2: But it's so nice that you have the experience of going out and playing for people because you get to see the effect on people.
3: Well, you see, and, that, that, and that's the wonderful thing about finishing something and, and playing it almost simultaneously. You really, you know, while you're still kind of sort of, under its spell, you can cast that on other people.
2: Yeah, it must just be so great. It feels so good, exhilarating. Yeah, it's great. It
3: is. It's, it's. It's. It's a good feeling for sure.
2: Has your crowds changed a lot?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's sort of there's people from our generation and people from this generation there.
2: But the gorillas' audience is really young.
3: Yeah, really young. That's I mean, sometimes nuts. I mean it's just crazy. Sometimes I kind of go into the audience and I go quite deep into the audience. And sort of in the middle of the mosh pit almost, there's like a five-year-old with headphones on. It's it's amazing. It's wonderful. I mean, just, just the most wonderful audiences. Yeah, I've had some most beautiful experiences playing live in America with Girls.
2: Yeah, the Coachella set was so good. I streamed it this year.
3: Yeah, I, 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 it's a wonderful band, so, you know.
2: It felt very joyous.
3: Yeah, it is. It, it generally is.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks,
0: Damon Albarn, for talking to Leah Rose about Blur's new album, The Ballad of Daring. You can hear that record along with all of her favorite songs from Blur, Gorillaz, and Damon Albarn's various solo works on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Broken Record Podcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Toliday, Nisha Venkut, Jordan McMillan, and Eric Sandler. Our editor is Sophie Crane. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription service that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad free listening for only $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, remember to share, rate, and review us on your
1: podcast app. Our theme is Expecting the Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
4: Just go to Musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.
2: You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party
0: dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in
2: store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it any time. Or even upgrade it with something new.
1: Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.